I am stoked. Stoked. What are we, a surfer now? As you know, I've got the new Sony a7 III, which is the upgrade from the a7 II, which is an upgrade from the a7, which is an upgrade of an upgrade of an upgrade. Yes, we are right. They're an upgrade. Duh. So the other day, I took them out to do, in, in one thing, I love night photography. Yeah. When my exposure takes longer than two seconds, I'm in the zone. And I've always been shooting on an old APS-C camera, my A77. Now my A77 is a great camera for an APC camera. It's a huge body, which is actually a plus for me because I have uh, freaking gargantuan hands. So a little, the smaller things get, the harder they are for me to operate. If you look on my website, paulgnewton.com, you'll see the homepage is my night collection, which is just a few of the night photographs I've done. And I'm going to do some more this year because I can with the new camera. But all those photographs are done on the A77, the crop sensor uh, camera. It's it's maximum ISO before it starts getting noisy on a photograph, on a raw photograph, is about 15-1600, and that's about as far as it goes. And there's tons of noise. I mean, it's like uh, listening to static on your radio, except you're looking at it. So what I did is I took the A77 outside, just shoot up at the stars, well, of course, for some reason, we haven't had, if it, it was so cold for so long, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to stand out in, this, out in the ice and freezing rain and, and snow to take night photographs of clouds, so I never got to do it, and then when it warmed up, guess what? It's now rainy all the time and cloudy all the time because it is a transitioning period. It's a transitioning period in our ecosystem into the uh, summer months or well spring months anyway and because of that there's always a cloud cover this particular night though what i found was that the the cloud cover was just thin enough that if you looked closely with your eye you could see a star or two so it's like oh that's cool so i took that uh, a7 III and i put just a 50 millimeter on it i didn't try to go anywhere special um took it down to I don't know, it was 1.7 aperture and put it on uh, like a two or, or no, a six second exposure actually. Pointed it up at the sky and took a photograph and expecting, I really honestly expected to get back a, a, just a garbage photograph with all kinds of motion blurs, false star trails and things like that because I'm moving, right? You know, I'm moving around. I'm going to write my name with the stars in my camera because it's a six second exposure. But guess what? You know, I tried very hard to keep it still because the camera has on it the stabilization on the, the, the sensor. It actually took a photograph at six seconds that wasn't blurry from motion blur. Well, there was some motion blur, but way, way less than you'd expect. I had a, it wasn't a star trail. It was basically just a little bit of motion in my star. But I saw the star and I looked at the photograph in Lightroom on my Mac and, oh wow. You know, it's it was amazing because there's no noise at 12,600 ISO. 
on a six seconds exposure at f 1.7 i believe on a 50 mil i couldn't believe it so i was like wow this, i'm so stoked then i thought to myself well i better make sure that i know what i'm talking about so i went in i got my a77 the crop sensor from 2011 i think is when i got it put it on a tripod went outside pointed it up at the sky stuck it on 12,600. uh i had a uh, 16 to 70 lens on it it was only going to do 2.5 so it's a little bit different put it at six second exposure and bam I couldn't see the star and there was so much noise in it that it really looked like it was snowing snowing purple green and white snowflakes down through my sensor and it just floored me the difference in the two cameras from the a7 III to the a77 and then i tried to take it handheld again i, sh I shot a picture of the bridge right uh, there's a bridge by my house little walk bridge, walking bridge so i tried to take a picture of the bridge and i took a picture of it and i got this a7 III i took a picture of it and the a7 III it's like in the middle of the afternoon and it's not a, a six second exposure this time this time it was like a sixth of a second same way with i set the same settings on the 77 and it did the exact same thing as before i had to take that iso to 1600 and up my 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 exposure time to even match what the 73 was doing and of course it was just garbage obviously it's just garbage because i'm sitting there hand holding it and the a7 the a77 does not have that sensor stabilization to the to it does have a little bit actually but not to the to the massive correction that's being done in the a7 III. The a7 III was correcting handheld six second shot shooting straight up at the sky to get a star, which I could see star when I when I cranked up the dehaze and Lightroom and I cranked up everything and just really pushed it to its limit. I wanted to see how many stars I could actually see and I could see actually more like between eight and ten and they were clear. At that point, of course, it's all noisy and gross because I've cranked everything up, but that's why I did it, so I could see if there was more stars. And there was. So I'm really looking forward to my night photography. Uh, if you haven't ever taken night photography, seriously, you should at least try it. You have to pay attention to the ratios and all this other stuff. But night photography is actually not that hard as long as you take your time and play around. And with the a77 i have a photograph on my page of the milky way which is absolutely horrid it's the best that can the very best that camera could do that's a 30 second exposure with the uh aperture cranked all the way up to like 16 17. i did that so i could get everything in focus because i couldn't see anything because it's too dark but that particular photograph if you look at it, it's a lake and there's a little dock in front and you can see the stars Look at the stars. Any pro photographer will look at that and go, this is garbage. And it, it, it is garbage. So I'm going to replace that this summer. It's going to be so nice. And it really wasn't more, it wasn't as much a problem with me not knowing what I'm doing as in the camera was one, it already had 400,000 photographs on it. So good luck on the sensor getting anything real. Uh, plus on top of that, it's an APS-C. Uh, running at and I think I shot that one with the 16 to 70 as well 
because I wanted a 16, which is one of the things I'm going to have to invest in if I'm going to shoot some uh, some nice landscape stuff. I'm going to have to get me a 24 or a 16. Probably a 24 would be about what my 16 would was on the APS-C because the APS-C is a crop. Uh, as you know, if you're anything worth your salt as a photographer. But anyway, the A7 III, I am so looking forward to shooting some night stuff with that. And like I said, it's not that hard. You just got to play around with it. You got to you got to kind of figure out your ratios, what you want to do. Um, I like to dial down the aperture and turn up the shutter uh, because it's, you know, it's what I do. It's, it's how I do it. Now, with this new camera, I may actually change my game plan and do it differently because on the A77, the crop sensor, that was probably the best it was going to do. That was the way I figured it out. I figured out that that camera has to be done. It has to be manipulated. Has to be manipulated in this way, or you're not going to get the shot you're after. Now the A7 III, it's going to take me a little bit of different, a little bit of feeling it out to figure out where exactly where I'm going to be, because I've never been on a full frame before. Because full frames in the past, if you think about it, the Canons and the Nikon's, they were eight, nine, ten thousand dollars, especially in 2011 when I got the uh, A77. I, I, I never since I really I didn't start out as a professional photographer in 2011. However, I was a photographer. Uh, way before that, I started out on film back in the day, and I had to. I, in, back in the day, you know, if you've never shot on film, with a, as, as a lot of people haven't, uh, especially the younger folks and people that just got into it. If you've never shot on film, it's a totally, totally different system of doing things. You have to guess and do the math to make sure you did it right. Uh, some cameras would show you where your exposure was and if you're doing it right and blah, 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 blah. But it, you, you literally had to know what the hell you're doing. Now it's, it, you have a viewfinder. You get to see instantly what it's going to look like, especially on the Sony. It tells you what the picture is going to look like. Sometimes it's wrong, but for, I'd say 95% of the time it's right. Uh, I, it's the, the new way of shooting versus shooting on film. I mean, that's it's a two different worlds. That's probably why I'm better at night photography now, because of the experience I, I I had when I was a a kid and interning with the local photographer and shooting my senior portraits. Actually, my shooting my classmates' senior portraits. I actually never got one, and you know what? I'm okay with that. So I actually have the the Tamron uh, seventy three hundred full frame lens that I use with my Sony A-mount to E-mount lens adapter. The, I think it is the LEA or LAEA-4. It allows my the A7 III to use its autofocusing points uh, within the lens. Uh, it does have a couple of drawbacks. It sees the aperture and it sees the uh, focal length, but it doesn't tell you, for some reason it won't read that it's a Tamron lens which my A77 would read that it was a Tamron lens um, and then put it in auto, you know, a Lightroom would automatically correct for that lens because that's what I wanted it to do. Um, but it doesn't do that, which I don't know why. It's probably just a software thing that Sony needs to correct because there's only a few of us shooting these things. It's about 300 bucks at the Adorama or B&H, something like that. But I, I used my Tamron that I bought from my A77, which is a full frame, uh, 70 to 300 and I put it through the A to E mount adapter 
onto my a7 III. Now, the problem is, uh, I thought that I was having trouble with the autofocus. I was trying to shoot some birds flying around. And these birds would fly, and I'd see them, and I'd, you know, put it in fast mode, and click, 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 right? Try to catch that, uh, try to catch that bird flying. And it wouldn't focus. It would focus on things in the foreground, focus on things in the background, which annoys me. I didn't buy the camera for that, so it could annoy me, and it's not going to be a deal breaker. I bought the camera to actually make films on, uh, which I haven't done yet, which I will do soon. But so I thought, well, it's just this the adapter and the lens combination. It's just not as quick as it should be. You know, I, I exposed these things and half my pictures didn't turn out. They're all blurry. The autofocus isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. And and, and it, I was kind of disappointed. Uh, and I really thought that I'm just going to have to get uh, a better lens. I'm going to have to get the E-mount 70 to 300 to be able to shoot something but then the next day i had the 50 uh, millimeter this the sony regular sony camera 50 millimeter you can see some of the shots on my blog uh on my webpage paulgnewton.com blogs uh i posted something about these birds so you can go there and look at these pictures and i'm using this 50 millimeter it's just nothing special it's just a you know 280 dollar sony lens that they have and i'm down at uh, the Fayetteville Square shooting these birds at these guys, these these hawks, raptors that these guys are holding. And the raptor would flap its wings and get all upset. It wanted to fly away. You know how they do. They don't want to stay there forever. But And uh, I put it in fast mode and click, 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 click. And it didn't catch the bird. It didn't like it. It focused on behind it or the person's arm who was holding it which almost gave me an in focus shot but if you go in and pixel peep you see that it's really bad so it wasn't really usable because i was hoping to get some stock images out of it you know what i'm saying um and then so it really I, I, is the sony does it have a problem with it's really really fast movement i'm thinking it might it might be the only negative that i've seen ever on this sony a7 III for photography such as this thing as uh, such as this so I'm a little bit worried that maybe I need to be, I need to work harder and learn my craft a little bit more for in motion stuff. And since I'm a videographer, not really a photographer, that's something that I'm going to have to learn. And I'm a little bit behind the cut behind the curve there. Unlike my night photography, the, uh, the focusing, I can't just let the camera do its own thing. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be all consumery in the, you know, I'm trying to be like, like Aunt Greta in her point-and-shoot, and, hey, it should be, why isn't it in focus? Uh, and I kind of have to learn that I can't do that, I suppose. Anyway, so far as the A7 III is concerned, so far, I mean, it's got 20 to 24 stops that you can recover, uh, especially if you shoot dark. One thing about Sony's that I have, my A77 was this way. Uh, when I worked for the uh, TV station, they shot on the Sony commercial cameras, the on-your-shoulder kind of thing for for news photographers. And if you shot dark, you could recover it. If you overexposed it just a little bit, it was gone. You couldn't get it back. And I think, I and it absolutely, the A7 III is doing the same thing. However, there are more highlights available than I'm used to, probably because I'm in a full frame. Uh but the highlights are still kind of there. I was able to recover the clouds uh, in the photograph. And it might be that the camera was trying to consolidate between the two and gave me the best of both worlds. 
but not much to not much movement if I wanted to uh, try to do it all at once have to select cut and move um, but Sony always does a better job at low light you want something that's going to pick up in low light and you're going to be able to recover it even in video low lights where you want to be now you obviously can't push it too far because if there's no information hitting the sensor then there's nothing to be recovered however they do a really, really good job with the A7 III, especially in photographic mode, in photo, photo mode. I'm able to recover the, 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 the darks. And if you, look on the way, if you look on my blog there, you'll see the picture of the, the, the red-tailed hawk, I think it is. And at the picture that it took, you couldn't hardly see. You could see the detail, but you couldn't hardly see the detail, especially when it was converted to a JPEG. Couldn't really see the detail in, in the darks because the, the sky was bright but it was cloudy uh, and the bird was in shadow at that point because I was underneath it. So there was no definition in those in, in the, in the low end of the spectrum there because it was trying to get the clouds. When I brought it in raw, obviously and uh, put it in Lightroom, I just hit auto. I didn't even try. He just hit auto and everything came in and you could see every detail and I pixel peeped on that and you could see the little strands in the in, in the in the in the in, in the feathers so it's like oh wow this is so good i'm just not used to having a full friend so i'm gonna i'm gonna have to get over that for a minute but the camera does really well i've like i said the 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 only problem i've ever had was the the, the fast autofocus and of course even though i'm i'm, I'm kind of smart at sony menus I'm lost in the Sony menus. The Sony menus are absolutely horrid. There's so many things, and why do they do this, and why do they do that? And their 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 manual is like reading um, the it's like reading an instruction manual for a nuclear power plant. I, I have no idea what they're talking about half the time. I'm reading it, and I'm like, well, maybe I guess I don't know what the hell they're talking about. So it's you know the same complaint everybody has. Uh, same complaints everybody has about Sony especially their menu system, except for, for me, uh, it's not as fast to autofocus as that I would, that I expected from all the other video reviews and audio reviews on the, uh, on the interwebs. I expected it to be a lot faster and it's not, and it may be that it was just too dark and it didn't have enough contrast to be able to find the, the, the correct focus. So, but the A7 III, we're going to keep trucking with it. Expect some really cool night photographs as soon as the freaking sky clears up long enough for me to shoot something. So, I want to go back and revisit something real quick. From last week, I talked about on screenwriting on how to do... Uh, how, how to approach dialogue at least a little bit and it occurs to me that two I did two things wrong one I didn't give you any more references than the big box movie that everybody wants to see and I couldn't give you a better reference point because you can't just google it and watch it and two I badmouth the I badmouth and stuff being a critic and the movie was okay I really liked the movie uh, Captain Marvel but I really do want to express that the world needs better writing. And the world needs better writing in TV shows that are on CBS explicitly. 
The rookie I don't have that much trouble with, trouble with, but I like the rookie. I also like Nathan Fillion, and uh, that that has a lot of exposition, and they talk about their feelings and things like that, which is good, which is makes it a good show. Um, but then I went back and watched the last episode, which is a two-parter for uh, uh, Timeless, which was a television show that they canceled uh, about time travelers who discovered, or these people working for the government that discovered a time traveling device, and they had to go back and fight. They, played, they had to fight the Rittenhouse people, blah, 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 blah. I like time travel sci-fi. Give me a break. So I'm watching this. And I'm like, this dialogue's not exactly great. It's feeling very rushed. And it wasn't that great. And it was okay. You could tell they were just trying to wrap up the series and get it over with. And throw as many facts in there without screwing it up too much. And I gave them that. It's like, whatever. This is their last hurrah. And they're canceled. And everybody's out of a job. Okay, cool. And then I was on Twitter this morning. And... Oh my God. Anyway, sorry. It's just thinking about it. Cringe, cringe. So I'm on Twitter this morning and and I follow Magnum PI, uh, Magnum PICBS. It's the verified Twitter account for Magnum PI, the, the TV show that's on the remake. And don't get me started on how bad the, a, a remake of Magnum PI that isn't even a noir is. That's. It has nothing to do with writing. That's the choice by the producers. Whatever. So they they tweeted out this video clip of something is not adding up. Hashtag Magnum PI. And I watched it, and I'm I'm putting up the dishes, and you know making my breakfast while I'm listening to this because I sat it down and said, "Screw it, I'm listening to this." And um, but I'm listening to it, and every piece of dialogue is on the nose. They're answering each other's dialogue with facts. It's basically just a fact-sharing uh, clip. Cool, what's, what's up? up? Rick, have, have you heard, heard from Magnum or Higgins? No, why? They were supposed to be back with Mr. Masters' new boat hours ago. Both of their cell phones are going directly to voicemail. Huh, come on, you, you know Thomas. He probably didn't put enough gas in the tank. Probably had to roll that thing back. I wish. I called the people who sold the boat. They said its AIS went offline today for the first time in years. AIS? Automatic identification system. It's the transponder of the boat. Did the water-activated beacon go off? No. All right, so they didn't sink. Somebody had to shut it off manually. But who? Thomas and Juliet wouldn't do that. So as you can tell, um, it wasn't very good. When you're watching it, it doesn't hit you as hard as if you're just listening to it. If you're just listening to it and you've never, you don't have a frame of reference, it's just facts, back and forth, facts, facts, fact, 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 fact. Did you know this? Did you know that? No, I did not know this, but I know this. Oh, you know that? Great. And they even repeat back the stuff that's going on. And while I'm sure Magnum PI has it, it has a lot of followers and a lot of viewers, it, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying not to be negative Nancy here on this TV show. But it's a prime example of why on-the-nose dialogue makes your script feel flat and shallow. And I think it, it's a it's a trait that they're doing. They did it in NCIS. They're doing it in NCIS, Los, whatever, you know, Los Alamos. I don't know, what, whatever they're doing. NCIS Nagadaches or something. <laughs> anyway, what the hell is that? 
I have no idea. I just made that shit up. Anyway, so when I was, you know, I just wanted to come back and say that just because you may have a lot of on the, on the nose dialogue doesn't mean you won't get a job. It means doesn't mean that you won't work. And you know what? If they paid me what these writers are getting paid to write this on the nose dialogue, I would write it. And I would say, yes, please, may I have another? And is it bad? Kinda. Is it really trashy? No. Is it cheap? Yes. Does it even resemble the original Magnum P.I.? Not really. The original Magnum P.I., um, there was a lot of interplay going on between uh, Higgins and Magnum and Rick and T.C., and they shared their feelings and they talked about how they felt bad and how they were feeling down today and how I can't drink anymore because if I do, I'm going to fall off the wagon and that's bad, blah, 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 blah. And that was, and then the people that they were trying to save, Megan was trying to save, was uh, they were talking about, oh my gosh, they would talk about how their, their, their father did this to them and it made them do this and they're just not sure if they should do anything. And I never hear anything like that being repeated in the new one. They tried it, but it didn't really work. Because in the middle of all that great interplay, the great things that you want to that you want to hear and see, is and 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 the characters that you want to care for, all of a sudden they do this. Listen, Kuma, there's nothing to worry about yet. I got a sailor buddy. You mean smuggler? Semantics. He knows these waters better than anybody. We'll see if he's heard anything. Okay. I'll notify the Coast Guard. Thanks, Rick. Yeah. Not good. Not good at all. But, again, I don't want to bash the show, but, again, at the same time, is it going to win any awards? Absolutely not. It's it's in Hawaii, and it has a minority as the lead. So what? Minority as the lead. I don't have a problem putting a minority as the lead. It has no problem to me. I don't care about the minorities in the lead because, to me, everyone is human. Your story is what counts. Your being, Your humanity is what counts. And how you look on the outside doesn't mean anything. When it comes to a story, when it comes to a story, it doesn't mean anything. It's how you feel on the inside. If you feel oppressed because of the way you look on your outside, then that's your character and that character should express that. It may not be a popular opinion, but not everyone feels oppressed. There are some people out there who may be considered a minority to uh, outside view that don't consider themselves a minority and don't feel negative that way. Or don't feel positive that way. They don't feel that way. And if they don't feel that way, they don't feel that way. That's your character. It's all within the realm of possibility. Which brings me to my next point. I love writing fiction. I love putting together stories even just a even just a scene of a story and why do i do that why do i love that because the world's rules are set by me so when i write a story when i'm in the middle of a story and i'm writing my characters anything's possible and because anything's possible i can go places that no one else has ever thought to go before or only few have you need to be the same way when you're writing a story or when you're watching a story, especially especially when you're watching or reading a story. 
you want to ruin it really quick, try to be logical about anything that you've read that's fiction. The minute you try to apply logic and real world policies to fiction, it's going to break. And so when you're writing, you could absolutely have something that would normally be completely stupid happening. Now, I'm not talking about having a God come down and save the day because he appreciates the color of your tie you're wearing today. No, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is if you need your people to escape a situation and the only way they're going to do that is to be able to destroy something, then, oh, wow, look here. This this guy had C4 in the closet. And you can't ask yourself, why wouldn't why would he have C4 in the closet? That's not possible. The thing about it is, it is possible. It is absolutely possible. Think about it for just a second. How many times have we seen military-grade hardware fall into the hands of somebody in the United States who shouldn't have it? I know I've seen it a bunch of times because I used to go to the gun range to go skeet shooting, and those cats out there would have things that they're not supposed to have. And everybody would be standing around going, oh, that's really cool. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, shit, we're all going to go to jail. And uh, I just shoot my clay pigeons and go on. I saw nothing. I see nothing. I know nothing. But in the world that you're creating or the world that you're watching or reading, throw the logic out the window and let the story set the parameters of the world. You couldn't watch Halloween or the Santa Claus without throwing those rules out the window. So why would you want to bring outside rules into a story just because you're moody? Anyway, I'm Paul G. Newton, and I'm a photographer, videographer, screenwriter, uh, a winner of awards, and a proud owner of an Emmy, which is absolutely great. I'm not trying to brag. No, no, that's not true. I am bragging, but I enjoy it. It's the only thing I got these days. It's kind of like, uh, you know, if we get your first set of false teeth and you're like, hey, great, I have teeth again. You want to show around and show everybody? I'm just saying. Check out my webpage. Uh, if there's something on there that you want to see or want to do or want to want to own, let me know if it's not on there. Uh, feel free to buy the wallpaper or just contribute to me so I can continue to do this because I, you know, this isn't paying me anything. I'm just doing this for free at this point. And, uh, but it's because I love you. I love all you guys, everyone, everyone out there. You're, I, I love you all in, and and, and um, don't just ignore it when I'm looking at you through your window. 